Tom Green had one Disney Channel movie about being a butler. You did? He had, I know he had Freddy Got Fingered. I think that's Tom Green. Yeah. Freddy Got Fingered was a classic. This guy looks like Carrot. What's that? Carrot Top. Chairman of the board. Chair. Chairman of the board. Welcome to the Greatest Movies of All Time podcast. We are, uh, what, part discussion show, part debate show, part game show. And yeah. um, that's what we do. We talk movies, <laughs> and our goal is to find the greatest movies of all time. We're also looking for the script that opens up the, the show, um, but we get that. Our goal is we talk movies, um, we pick one or two a week, and we debate it. We see if it's one of the greats, and if it is, it'll be a forever called that. If it's not... It's just a movie um, that we may or may not have liked. Um, I'm one of your show debaters, <laughs> Jesse. <laughs> Today I'm with uh, Gabriel. Hello. And JB. Greetings. What's up? Greetings. <laughs> did you speak into your, JB, did you speak into your phone? I did speak into my phone. All right. Are you on phone audio? No, I just thought I'd hold a microphone. All right. I love it. Um, all right, so today's episode, um, usually we have a fun title where we combine things, but today we're going to be talking about The Lighthouse. That's right. And that's what, all two mo- what two movies is that, Jesse? It's, it's The Lighthouse. That's all we got. Um, it's The Light and The House. Yeah. yeah. But before we jump into The Lighthouse, has anybody seen anything that's uh, anything recently just to kind of talk about good or bad? Possible greats? Not one of the greats. Not one of the greats. Typically, for the for the people listening, um, it's just kind of what we're watching independently. If something happens to be a great, um, we'll, we'll say, "Hey, let's debate it later." But um, usually, it's just kind of sharing what we've seen lately. What do you want to jump in? Yeah, JB. What have you uh, What have you been watching this week? You that know, was, I uh, uh, great question, Gabriel. <laughs> I fell. It's the for... same question every week. Yeah. <laughs> It's such a great, though. It's one of the greats. Uh, so Kumail Johnny and Issa Rae had released a, a movie to, you know, put the, to put the podcast on the timeline. They released their recent movie, Lovebirds, on Netflix, and I watched that. That's right. Great. Great rom-com caper. Yeah. Um, full of whimsy and, and rising, I think, New York comedians. I think we're going to be seeing their faces a lot more in the coming years. And this will be one of the movies where you look back and you're like, Oh yeah, that person was in lovebirds before they were ridiculously famous. Um, so I think it's one of those movies, just a little, little fun comedy. Uh, not one of the greats, but again, a fun watch. I yeah, we, go ahead. No, go ahead, no, go, just, well, I was going to say behind, inside baseball, behind the scenes for those of, for our Patreon subscribers who are, who get the pre-show. Patreon. That's right. Um, find us on Patreon. Um, who get the pre-show talk, right? That's, I think that's the $60 tier. Um, we were talking Lovebirds weekly. pre-show. Um, JV, JV and I, the, the weekly Lovebirds pre-show. No. Um, oh, we were only talking about it a little bit. I've started watching it 
um, I told JB, um, Gabriel wasn't with mm-hmm. us yet. He's logging on. Um, I started watching Lovebirds this week. It's on Netflix. Um, and it's one of those I put on just to kind of watch. And then I said, oh, no, I might like this. So I stopped watching it and, and backed out of it. Yeah, I was I was really hesitant to watch it, but it being one of the newest releases, you know, mm-hmm. freely available on Netflix, I uh, I did partake and oh. found it to be much more enjoyable than I anticipated it to be. I thought that Issa Rae and, and Kamel were terrific and played terrifically off one another. Uh, Michael Showalter not doing anything. Oh, wait, directed- in this? No, he's di- he directed it. He directed? I, I yeah. missed that part of it. Wow. That's okay. right. So, whoops. So yeah, that was that was what got me to bite. Because um, we celebrate the Baxter on this show. <laughs> we we celebrate all things state and Stella tangential. Show Walter, show Walter. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> but um. But yeah, no, I I saw that one too. I I would agree with you. I think I think it's a fun movie. Um. But uh, yeah, it's not not one of the greats, but but definitely worth a watch. Now I'll go back to it. Like that's what I was kind of talking pre-show about it. Um, I, I initially put it on as just a background film. Like, Oh, it's, it's, it's the thing that pops up almost like instantly when you're on um, Netflix, at least for me. So I was like, oh, I'll put this on. I'll do something. I'll, I'll do the dishes. I'll do whatever in the house and I'll just leave this on. Um, and then five minutes in, not really liking it. That's when I said, oh, I got to stop and I'll, I'll watch this when I get a chance. And now that you two gentlemen, watched it and enjoyed it um it's gonna i anticipate seeing it a lot of times i say on here oh yeah i'll watch that soon and uh yeah no uh it's it's it it clocks in i think it's just under an hour and a half so uh mm-hmm. won't won't take too much of your time to to watch that and get through it it doesn't feel like a drag either it's pretty well no. paced keeps moving it it definitely does uh so, but moving along, um, because of our current, you know, COVID-19 quarantine, uh, and, and our dedicating this episode to breaking down the lighthouse, I decided to go back and watch a film that I ignored 20 years ago, um, <laughs> called Castaway. Oh, okay. starring, starring <laughs> of America's America's favorite uncle. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um I will say that I think it's a, a solid performance from from T Hanks. Uh in maybe in 2000 this was was some transcendent performance and and you know insanely good film but watching it in 2020 i found the pacing to be really difficult to stick with um you know i i think this film is a product of of one of the things that hollywood seems to reward quite often and that's this these like physical transformations of people mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah you know similar to you know mcconaughey and dallas buyers club uh you know christian bale with any christian bale role <laughs> Basically, yeah. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it's it. I, I found the stuff on the island to be interesting, but then they skip forward like an entire like four years later, and I'm like, mm-hmm. what the hell did he do for four years? 
that's what I thought the movie would be. I did not realize it would be like, oh, no, it's just like the middle 35, 40 minutes is him on the island, and then he comes mm-hmm. back, and there's a this whole romance angle. And, yeah. uh, you know, I thought I thought Wilson the volleyball gave a tremendous performance. Oh, of course. Uh, but, but yeah, not one of the greats. Um, and maybe no. not as good as it was previously billed as being. No, I think you're right. Like I said, I haven't, I haven't seen this film since. I think I saw it in the theater. I mean, I know I saw it in the theater. Um, I haven't seen it since then. But no, you're right. I, even then I remember, even back then I remember um, kind of once he gets back, it's sort of maybe apart from the fact that he's uncomfortable, like what does he, what is he like sleep on the floor, sleep on the closet? Something where he's like uncomfortable mm. sleeping back in a bed. Yeah. That that was the most interesting part. Of my takeaway from all those years. Um, but you're right. And now and now I can almost imagine it being a little tough to watch since Wilson and the the volleyball have become such a um, a joke about everything. You know, from Family Guy to everything in between. I watched it maybe four or five years ago, and it's a it's an OTW. You know. You just watch it once. You, you want to see what it's about. It's a pretty novel idea. I mean, what happens when a shipping container that flies across the world gets stranded? Pretty sweet, pretty unique. But yeah, it's not like a story to share across generations. It's like, it's not timeless. It's pretty, pretty uh, temporal, I would say. Yeah. Now, Tom Hanks, it's just, it's curious in general with Tom Hanks. Like I said, he is sort of America's sweetheart but um so many of his movies are just tom H- it's tom hanks movie. it's tough um like i really like i like tom hanks of course i do um, <laughs> yeah it's like hey like, you like tom hanks you'll like I'm this not, movie. I, i'm not a terrible person um but so many of his films it's 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 tough to just let him be to, to, to let the film be a film and be a thing and not be a tom hanks vehicle yeah um i mean it's almost like post forrest gump i don't know it's 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 been a it's the tom hanks right and that's i mean like the mr rogers movie i i want to see it but i don't at the same time um and it's and i it's sad to say it's kind of because of tom hanks <laughs> you know it's uh so i don't know yeah I, yeah so, so, so I, I can i can see where you're coming from for castaway yeah, I think I, I think I like it when he's paired with another actor who can hold their own and, and are allowed to to have the same amount of space and time in a picture. Um, yeah. I think he he really shines in those types of roles. I think when they tailor the vehicle to kind of fit his personality, mm-hmm. it just becomes a, a little it's, I mean, it's never bad because he's a very likable guy, but it's, it's just a little, no, he's good, and, 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 he, and he's a good actor and, yeah. and it's great. All that. Like, um, but I think like things like catch me if you can's fun with DiCaprio and mm-hmm. Tom Hanks, that's a fun movie. Um, so there's plenty of good stuff out there. Yeah. Not a fun movie, but a, a really, really terrific movie and saving private Ryan. I mean, no, of course. The ensemble yeah. there is insanely good. Um, but yeah, I just cast away. That's interesting. That's fun. Um, I, I I went back in in the way back machine a bit too this week and watched um, an older film I had never seen before um, either. Um, I think it came out. Let's see. I'll pull it. Eighty five. 
um, the Joel Schumacher directed St. Elmo's Fire, um, which I had never seen before. Um, and this has like, I mean, this has all of the names of today or at oh, one yeah. point, <laughs> but you know what? Emilio Estevez, Robert, um, Rob Lowe, Demi Moore, Judd Nelson, um, Andy McDowell, right? So many folks. Um, Andrew McCarthy. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. A great soundtrack, obviously. Um, and it's a pretty good movie. Uh, it's not great at all. Um, and in some ways, for me watching it, I was just a little, I was a little confused watching this film. JB, I don't know if you've seen Son of Fire. Um, no, no, I've heard of it. I mean, it's a very popular term. And I knew it was a movie in the 80s. Yeah, I mean, full disclosure, I was, there's a bar called San Elmo's Bar. Um, I was waiting for a fire at some point at said bar. Um, spoiler, that doesn't happen. But it, it's sort of about these friends um, from college kind of going into adulthood and, and, and transitioning into adulthood and the struggles they have with relationships and just being adults. Being adults. <laughs> um, it's... It's just watching it and, and, and sort of, um, and, and for all the people in it, they're just so, you know, you know, Demi Moore, you know, it's, it's, these are people that, you know, went on to have great careers or at least very lucrative careers. Um, it's just, a, it's a, it's a troubling movie to watch today. It's just weird. It's, it's you have to kind of put yourself in the mid eighties. Um, Cause all three of the male characters are very um, controlling, abusive, <laughs> Um, womanizing to these female characters um, who are just sort of trapped amongst their ridicule and, 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 their, and their treatment of them. Um, Demi Moore is this sort of coke, um, coke addict, maybe prostitute, um, you know, to kind of pay her bills. Um, but the other part that's really weird is, 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 is the, um, there's the character um, by Andrew McCarthy who is, he doesn't have, he's not like the one like trying to pick up women constantly um, or, or cheat on their girlfriends like the other guys or cheat or Rob Lowe's character continually cheats on his wife and baby. Um, so this, his character, because he doesn't have any of these male tendencies, um, he's, you know, he's constantly made fun of as possibly being gay. Um, which is just like, a, it's a strange thing given Joel Schumacher being an openly open homosexual, you know, movie director. Um, but there's never that piece in, I don't know, there's just like a lot of like weird sort of gay bashing throughout the movie. But it's, there's never that piece of Joel Schumacher kind of holding up the mirror to, you know, society saying um, our treatment of these people, or if you lack these sort of stereotypical male emotions. Um, it's just weird. Um, and I was watching, I'm like, Oh, is that the message? Is is there a piece in here? And I didn't. I never felt it was like, oh, it's just trying to be subtle. Um, it's there. It's it's just. It felt very of its time um, in the early '80s. Yeah, no, that's what I was gonna say. I, I I think I watched this, and I was probably too young to have watched this at the point where I watched it. Um, but it's, it, yeah, it's it's very. It feels very yuppie. Yeah, like mid '80s excess capitalistic 
like this, this arc of people coming out of college who are kind of already set for life and then not being able to even manage that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I th- struggling it, nails, to- it nails the message of, and I think it does really well of hitting you over the head of this, like St. Elmo's fire. We're chasing that, which we, we, we that, which doesn't exist. Um, this sort of illusion, um, like the, the sailors going towards St. Saint, Saint Elmo's fire that they explain it at some point in the film. Um, Rob even says it's St. Elmo's fire. Um, but the other piece that was a little weird was just sort of the male female dynamic of characters. Um, it was, yeah. it was just uncomfortable um, yeah. in, in a way. Um, no, I remember that. And, and again, very male dominated, like it. Well, very- it's like, yeah, like Judd Nelson's eight. like cheating on his on his girlfriend, and then he's like gaslighting her, like she's the crazy one. Um, and it's, it's just like at the end of the day, they're all like, "Oh, we'll still be friends." Yes, yeah, <laughs> it was fun, but a fun '80s film, guys. Um, I, but I, I did enjoy it, um, despite those pieces. It was just a little head scratcher. It was a head scratcher um, for that. Do you think someone who is leaving college nowadays would even enjoy watching it you think it holds up in that that context no i I think there's some themes in there that you could if you want to latch on to those oh the the growing up piece but if that's the case just watch um what was the netflix series um friends from college um Mm -hmm. just watch that instead um yeah there's like those like love triangles and Mm -hmm. the mixed They, they at least have better characters in that that treat each other better um and it's a little more realistic um but um but again it kind of reinforces like i'm trying to find i mean i know more of joel schumacher is bad than good um most most joel schumacher films are are, i mean we have lost boys right we have uh we have some things that are redeemable in there but flawless i really like flawless um it, yeah, even the stuff that I like, I recognize as not being very good generally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's he's just a guy who's managed to you know find his niche, and you know he he does what he does, and he's continued to you know be able to work for a very long time. Um, yeah. But yeah, not. You know, not not many that I would say are like, oh, that's a really good movie. Uh, yeah. You know, flat flatliners. I love flatliners. Yeah, flatliners. You know, <laughs> I love the Lost Boys. But but yeah, uh, yeah. Schumacher just is Schumacher, and and that's that's kind of what he does. He just, it's middle, middle of the road stuff. He's somebody I try to give the benefit of the doubt because, you know, especially once the Batman films hit, um, people like to, you know, claim like ruining the Batman films. Um, but again, even then I see what he was trying to do, like watching those movies in hindsight, um, seeing that he was trying to make comic book movies versus what Tim Burton was making. Um, right. So see, it's even that I, I find forgiving. Um, he was bringing back to the old school Batman comic books, but um, so I can almost appreciate the Schumacher Batmans these days um, more than I can a lot of his work. He directed a time to kill. Yeah, he did. I think he did maybe more. Was it more than one Gresham or just the? Yeah, there was more than one. 
There was uh, the client. Yeah. But a time to kill is really good. Yes. I mean, that's early Bullock, McConaughey, and L. Jackson. And, and he also directed 8mm, hmm. which is terrible. I mean, but again, but, but again, but again, he pushed he pushed a, a Hollywood major Hollywood film about smut videos, um, smut cinema. Um, so yeah, maybe, so yeah. Maybe he knows what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's you know, that's a good crazy cage film. Mm-hmm. It's it's absolutely terrible. Um, I just, but the the level of caginess of of Nicolas Cage's performance is up there. It's true. It's true. No, I think I think out of the Schumachers, I mean, of, of course, I'll you know I'll see Flatliners and Lost Boys. You see those every once in a while again, um, in some capacity. Um, but I think Flawless is one I, I want to return to one, at least one more time. I remember liking it, but I was young, um, and that has like Philip Seymour Hoffman um, in it. Um, That's one I'm pretty sure I have not seen, and I think I'd kind of just given up on. Yeah. Schumacher as a director at that point. It was a smaller, um, more a small. It seemed like at the time it's a little more smaller, earnest film by him. Um, but Ernest goes to jail. Hey, the Ernest shows are Fun coming. To, to, until we break down the Ernest as one of the greats. But until then, I think I think uh, you know. So those are what some. Would, yeah, what uh, would the lighthouse have been with Jim Barney in it? <laughs> I mean, it, I, I would say it'd be a totally different movie, but, but maybe not. <laughs> I, you know, I don't. I think I think that's a that's a good question to ask as we start to to dissect these two performances. Yeah, because <laughs> the lighthouse is a lot of things. Um, it is a lot of things, and it, it's a lot to think about, and it's a lot to juggle. Um, so yeah, let's talk about the lighthouse. Let's see if it's let's see if we, how how great it is. Yeah, that was a good segue. Good segue, everyone. <laughs> we're just we're just following. Was, the, we're just following the script. Yeah. Um, so so the lighthouse. Uh, this is this is the the sophomore um, feature length effort from Robert Eggers, who directed another A twenty four film, The Vich. The Vich. <laughs> um, it's just it's it is a it is a film that largely features just two performances, uh, Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe as these two lighthouse keepers trying to hold themselves together uh, while living in isolation uh, on this New England island, uh, tending this lighthouse in the the late nineteenth century. Yeah, right. And they're just they're way they're spending what's like a month they're supposed to be their month spending their time um, keeping the lighthouse. It's it's just about their like their their relationship as roommates and coworkers working and living in the same space. Um, so I think it's apropos that we're we're taking a look at this film um, as we think about our own lives as we live and work in the same space on a daily basis around the same people. It's true. <laughs> um, as, if only Jim Varney were here as we do I was looking um, where it fell uh, through the Academy Awards it was nominated um, for best achievement in cinematography um, just, just we put it out there 
um, this is something to think about. And then also a BAFTA nomination for best cinematography, um, which I think is a good place to start. It's just kind of the way this thing looks um, shot on old, an old camera of the era um, in that sort of reduced film aspect ratio um, and in real stark black and white. Yeah, that's that. I, that was the first thing that jumped out at me. I mean, immediately as the mm-hmm. film started playing within the first thirty seconds, um, was that four three aspect ratio, mm-hmm. like old timey television ratio. It almost looks like the old like photog- like the old photographs you would see of old of folks back then. Being you have to stand super. So I think it's even how we first see them really like stand in front of the lighthouse, like they're getting their photo taken. Yeah, and it, mm-hmm. like even the the grayscale right is is diminished. It, everything's kind of pushed to the far ends of of mm-hmm. the black or white spectrum. Um, but yeah, that like that about twenty minutes in, thinking about the look and the feel that that shrunken aspect ratio, and then thinking about the claustrophobia, mm-hmm. right of of being contained in the same space with only one other person that you don't really know. Right. And, and how that, that kind of heightened the anxiety and the tension um, around and between the two and their relationship. No, I agree. I mean, I think the way just, yeah, it's even with the sound, the way it looks, the sound, almost that like um, the, between the wind. And I don't know if it's like, like almost like a foghorn, so some sort of like there's always this sort of like re- the foghorns, the, the the repeating the drone, crashing. the repeating drone of everything. Yeah. You're just, I remember watching it, um, even like second time when I watched it. Within it, it is about like like that twenty thirty minutes. You almost feel like you're in this this world with them. Um, I think it does a really good job to the, the yeah the constant seagulls. Yeah, right? like mm-hmm. that's I, I mean it mm. it all feels very very real. Um, feels real and it's, it's almost there's almost something hypnotizing about this film um, with the way it looks the way it sounds the way they talk um, it, it's just it's you just fall into this rhythm even though even most of the movie right is this cycle of work eat sleep work eat sleep and and you know they're kind of evenings together but then their days doing their work um, or one of them doing their work um, kind of just you you can kind of get lulled into this and that was the first thing i noticed i i found myself even for good and bad getting lulled into this sort of um trance of this film um you know bringing a little bit of the witch back in there that right that idea of kind of just kind of being mesmerized and hypnotized by this film um yeah that that feeling of the monotony of of mm -hmm. day-to-day life right and and in a time where literally there was no entertainment right i mean they 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 didn't have anything other than either whittling wood or you know cooking or talking to one another to entertain themselves mm-hmm. you know it's it's not like they were <laughs> they could go to separate rooms and and play video games or watch tv <laughs> yeah um you know but it's that i i really because I, and I, I'm sure we will talk about this at some point, but some of the because this really is a dark comedy at its heart. Like yeah. that's the way I watched it. That is well, that's why Ernest would fit in. Yeah, but but just the the attention to detail with the dialogue and the dialect, um, the 
the the sound, the ambient sounds, and the way all of that fits together. And, and like you said, it really draws you in, despite this initial, it's like, there's no color, right? It's not shot in widescreen. It's not like everything that we think of when we think of modern cinema. It's, it is mm-hmm. the exact opposite. Yeah. But it's somehow in completely engrossing. It is. I mean, so I think part of that engrossingness is you're watching it and, and one, you're just, you know, at least I know for me, you're just trying to figure it out. You're trying to figure out what, what's going on here. Um, mm-hmm. um, you're, you're listening closely, expect, you know, with, 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 when they talk, especially with Willem Dafoe, when he speaks, you're like hanging on to his words so you can, one, decipher um, what he's saying. Um, but then also you're just trying to figure out what's going on, what's their situation, what, what are these stories. Then even as the movie goes on, it starts to unravel or at least reveal itself that you don't even know what, as you're trying to figure out, you don't even know if, if you figured out the right thing because stories start changing. Um, amongst each other and 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 why they're here or why his what why his leg is hurt you know the story changes depending on the night um well so you you get into the space again like we talked about with fight club of just unreliable narrators yeah right you you have two people living in isolation they don't have a prior history together they don't have this there is no friendship. It's just a, it's a working relationship. And now they're forced into these tight quarters together. Right. Um, and over time, they both seem to be breaking down like mentally and emotionally, mm-hmm. right. They're these like random fits of anger and these the lashing out at one another. Um, you know, it, then clearly some things that, that have to be hallucinations, or at least seemingly are hallucinations. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just fascinating to watch and that the way that unfolds between the two of them and the performances, both of them give just, I feel are absolutely incredible considering how pared down everything else is. And it's really just left to the two of them to make this film work. No, it really is. And it's kind of jumping off, coming off of say like bike club last week where you see two people kind of feeding off each other. Um, this kind of battle of control of one another. Um, and then, which, you know, was done well with Brad Pitt and, and Edward Norton, but then just to see it in this film with these two, um, it, it becomes just like a masterpiece in, in a film about control and trust and, and just, can you trust the person you're with? Do you understand the person with? And then who, who controls who, right? I mean, it gets to the part eventually where, you know, one of them has them on a, like a dog leash, um, walking like a dog um, as well. So that's what I started to really enjoy too. This, this sort of, this big, this, this film just about control. Like it starts off with Willem Dafoe wanting him to drink. And he's like, I'm not going to drink on, on duty. It's, it's against the rules. Um, and this idea of you can you can't see the light in the lighthouse. You're not allowed. Um, this, these, you know, setting these boundaries, and then you know, as the film just it 
you know, these roles almost start reversing as, as, as it ends, um, you know, in, in that piece as well, who has the ultimate control. Um, but what, things like Willem Dafoe chasing him with a knife, I mean, uh, with an axe, but then later on, says, why, why were you chasing me with an axe? That's uh, gaslighting, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, JB, go ahead with that, because that's, I think that was one of the things that really stood out to me. Oh, no, no, no. I was just saying gaslighting. I got my thoughts on a different topic. If you got add to it, please. Well, no, I, I, I think that, that that's really what the last third of the movie becomes. It's just, it's this constant back and forth of perception versus reality. Mm-hmm. And you're watching mm-hmm. things happen in front of you as the viewer. Right. And, and then the narrative changes and it's like, I know what I saw. Now there's this conversation. You sympathize with Pattinson in most scenarios because it seems like the foe's the one who, despite claiming to have had control the entire time, seems to be losing control the most. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I think something that stood out to me being that it's the second movie, you could you could tell it's an Eggers. I feel like he's definitely just found a really interesting directorial like just voice. Um, you watch The Vich and, and Lighthouse and you know it's they they fit together. And I think um, for me, it was interesting to look at stories of old Americana told in like mixing the, the folklore of Americana, but also the humdrum daily life of Americana and trying to weave them together in a coherent way that humanizes that. So it's not like, I don't know, the folklore sort of, sort of seems otherworldly. But when you meet these characters and and you experience what they're experiencing, the 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 isolation, the anxiety, the loneliness, the repetitiveness of everything from hot foghorns to seagulls to the work, um, the hallucinations kind of make a little more sense. It does make you wonder, you know, are these hallucinations? Are these real? Um, what would I do in that situation? So for me, it was like really interesting to. Um, take a historical perspective to both movies. Like both movies happen at this time where, like Gabriel said, there's there's not much to do. And when you pair that with the folklore of like all these mystical things that happened during that time, and you pair that with maybe like mental health concerns of anxiety and isolation, it's a, like really interesting take on it. No, it's true. It's all, and it, it, it's 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 this historical situations that are also when individuals are removed from society and, mm-hmm. and, and placed in these pieces and yeah, the anxiety seeps, seeps in, but then also so does the alcoholism and, and mm-hmm. the um, extreme male sexual desires um, emerge as well um, because it's also slow dancing together well it's 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 the two of them dancing and embracing it's um it's 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 mermaid's mermaid obsession Mm -hmm. um first with the little with the little doll with the little figure wooden figure he finds um i I mean i think it even comes down to like the farting and flatulence as well it's just very um (laughs) it's a piece that as part of the as part of the yeah as part of the comedy in the film right that's in there and and there's obvious like erection little um even visual cues in the thing i think there's one point where like the lighthouse it's like a sideway view of the lighthouse the camera sideways and then the camera moves so the the lighthouse comes straight up um as well 
so there's plenty of like phallic imagery, um, male sexual urges, just male urges in general. Um, that's why I think it, it's, it's almost beautiful in the fact like when he sees Defoe sleeping there in the bed when he first sees him and then he just farts, right? Um, it's, it's, it, it, it's kind of setting you up like this is, you're about to, you're in for something, right? <laughs> um, but at the same time, I think that serves the film just as much as it does put, to put the dark comedy aspects um, in it as well. I mean, you even have Patterson as the peeping Tom later when he's like peeping at him through the roof when he's, when he's putting the shingles back on. Right. And again, is that a little bit of like, oh, who am I with? This trusting one another, the control thing, or is this also this, like we said, this kind of sexualness that's throughout this film? Well, so there, there's clearly early on, right? There's something to Pattinson's reasoning, you know, when he, he tells him, you know, I, I don't drink, mm-hmm. right? I, I don't want to drink. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. It seems as if there's something in his past that has put him in this place where he does not trust himself when he imbibes, right? Yeah. And then you start to see the unraveling of his behavior, uh, you know, over time, particularly with the seagull and the the mermaid. Um, mm-hmm. But but yeah, it's, it, it it I can attest to this notion of of the way isolation, you know, in, in you know quarantining yourself, right, can contribute to just oh the monotony of this, how do I break it up? Like, what do I do? There are only so many mm-hmm. times you can watch a movie or pick up a book and read or do the, and so you like, I can't, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. I'm going to have a drink. Yeah. Um, but it's, it, it's fascinating. It's, it's, it's absurdist and pitch black simultaneously, like the yeah. comedy in this film. And I think it heightens the more dramatic moments and so it's just, it's, it, I hesitate to call it a horror film because I, I know that's kind of what people have pegged Eggers into, but I, I really do think that the horrific and the, the thriller elements are strictly part of this darker comedy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think it gets the horror tag if he, if, if he hasn't done the witch prior, um, I think people put on that. I mean, you what you have like a tentacle show up here and there. You have the kind of the ending, um, but yeah, I, I don't think it even comes close to. I, I think the horror tag is unjustly put on it. I mean, it's just, I don't even. I've never. I've never viewed the the bitch as a like a horror movie. No, no, I agree. It's, it but is it's, very much a psychological drama. Yeah, but if mm-hmm. you put um, a witch and stuff, you know that. I mean, it's, that, that's I, I I agree I agree, but it, it's the easier <laughs> it's the easier piece. But yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I think it's lazy. It's lazy to, to, mm-hmm. to tag them solely as or tag them as horror films. Mm-hmm. Well, the the witch is easy to sell as a horror film. It's easier to market. Sure. Um, I think this is one thing for this film. Um, yeah, how do you market it? Um, you know, what's in our job? But but no, but I agree. And so maybe that's where the horror tag comes in there a little bit as well to get um, some other people there. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't really know what else we can say without wholly giving away the entirety of the film. Um, but it's, <laughs> I, I just, to me, it, it really comes down to those two performances, right? I, I think Defoe, 
and Pattinson both give these tour de force, like slapstick, dramatic, like darkly comedic performances that are just unhinged and, and wholly, just fully realized characters, right? Like, I, I can't think of another film I've seen in the last few years where you really feel like these, these are, they are embodying real people. Mm -hmm. Like, and they're, they're letting themselves go emotionally, mentally, like physically, just fully embracing Mm -hmm. who these characters are. And so that, that is the thing that, that really, I think makes the film for me and kept me engrossed in it, like from start to finish. It's just the way they, they meshed those two performances together. I, I I can't remember the last time I saw something where I was, I feel like, wow, these are two actors acting at their absolute peak levels. Yeah. No, this, this movie doesn't work without the two of them just being on. Um, And that, that both are definitely on because they, I think they are the hand that guides you through this film because I can see people, struggling with this movie as well as they watch it um even with their performances um so that's it says a lot no i think both are are top notch in that um it's definitely a film as i finished it and and regardless i'll say this for the ending we like yeah we tend not to kind of spoil a a blatantly spoil a, a piece um I, I, I think the ending works. It, it, it doesn't leave you like, what the hell just happened? Um, what the hell did I watch? It's not like one of those endings where it just fades to black and you're like, what? Um, there's a little bit of the what factor in there for sure, but I think that applies to the movie in general. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's my piece with the film. I like, once it finished, it was, it's definitely one of those films where I enjoyed it and I sat and I said, you know, I, I got to see this again. Um, but it's not for the same reason that a lot of times I'm like, Oh my God, I got to see that movie again. That, you know, this is, this is something else. I can't believe that I just saw that. This is more like, I think I didn't get it all. I, I, I need to take another pass at this. Or when I see it a second time, now that I've seen this, um, it's not the fight club syndrome where I'm going to look out for all the things to see how the movie quote works. Um, it's more of a, Oh, there's so many layers going on here. I, I, I think I need to kind of sit with it a little bit. And then also watch it under that new, 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 new view after I've kind of processed it and thought about it. And, 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 and yeah. And I don't know if some people give it that much patience um, at the same time. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to bet there's several folks that don't. Yeah. Cause I can see plenty of people walk out and say that was awful. Um, that was terrible. Um, yeah, JB, what are you, what are you, what are you thinking about? Um, you know, it was an okay movie. Visually stunning. I, like I think this. the fact that it was, uh, you know, in those categories with BAFTA and and uh, right up there with 1917 this year, uh, that was one of my favorite parts of the movie. It was just seeing how, um whoever was was responsible i know it's not just eggers but 
seen how they they manipulated light to create a scene. Yeah, uh, yeah. From what I've heard, they had to because the exposure of the film, things had to be extremely bright on set, um, mm. just just to expose the film to the amount that we could see on screen. Wow. Um, yes, that's really cool. So some like, real technical um, skill and wizardry. technical and, and artisticness there, like to, to, to really do that. So in from a technical aspect, I want to go into the writing, like the, mm-hmm. the attention to mm-hmm. detail to this antiquated dead English language. Well, and I think Edgar's did a much better job because in the witch it's known that he's even been very vocal. Like, Oh, I lifted actual dialogue from, from books and manuscripts from the era when I wrote the witch, like all the words aren't, you know, quote his um, in that with this film, he's been said, Hey, we what his brother, whoever he wrote it with, we, we worked tirelessly on, on the dialogue. Um, we did our mm-hmm. research. Um, so I think he nailed the voice, no question. Um, mm-hmm. And nailed that much. And like I said, I, I think it's a much better film than The Witch um, for me um, when it comes to performances, dialogue, visioning, b- b- putting it all together, pacing, um, all, all of that. You know, not that one is required, you know, one has to be better than the other, but that was one thing going into it. Um, but I did kind of JB with you, you kind of bring a point. And you're like, Hey, it's an okay movie. It looks really good. Um, this or that. Well, it's like, so it's artistic on, on many layers. Like Eggers is a, like he, he creates for the finer qualities of it in both the Vich and the lighthouse. There's just like this, this beauty that you don't see in all movies. Uh, again with dialogue, again with the the scenes, the framing, the lighting, the wardrobes, the characters, the the attention to detail. It's really stunning, and because it's so detailed, um, it's not going to be as popular um, because it it does fit into. I don't know. There's the details there are are to be appreciated on like. Uh, a level that where people are just sitting down on a Wednesday night after decompressing for work or on a weekend, like that's not what they're going to be looking for in a movie. It's funny. It's funny. A, a theme that as we've been, you know, I mean, we got chosen somehow to be the people who figure out what the greats are. Um, <laughs> Blessed. We, I remember when I got that letter in the mail. We're like, weird. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. I guess <laughs> if we're the ones, um, but no, kind of an ongoing kind of, thread throughout a lot of our discussions is either one who is this audience for that this film is written you know Mm. that this film was made for like in general or how is the audience going to react to this film based on the subject matter based on um on things and and where does and this is kind of a question i've grappled with kind of with some of our decisions about greats and not greats where does the where does the responsibility of the audience or, or or worrying about the audience and their interpretation, where does that begin and end, right? When a film gets held up. Um, and I know Gabriel's posed that question for some of our films. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of when this film is put into the audience hands, how will it be in- interpreted? Um, and when I was watching this film, 
that question started seeping into my mind, like where, and you use the word appreciation, where does the appreciation land, right? Would 20 year, would 20 year old self of me like love this film? Like this would be um, like the film of my, of my life at the time probably, right? As 40 year old myself, you know, am I as, do I appreciate some of those things you mentioned as much? I do and then at the same time I don't because also some of it I'm just kind of, I still want movies that challenge and push my limits and the audience's limit. But at the same time, I'm like, all right. <laughs> you know, you see, you see what I'm saying? I'm like, well, okay. It's, okay. So I think part of my point is when you, I think when you're making films that are strictly about or, or seemingly to, to be at their core about making social commentary, mm-hmm you have a responsibility as the artist creating that art to ensure that you're not doing that in an irresponsible way. Right. Like I'm not saying you have to make it blatantly obvious, but you need Mm -hmm. to at least give some nods to the, the things when you're creating satire, you have to at least give a nod to what it is that you are, what, what point are you trying to make about how absurd this vantage point is? Yeah. Right. And that's, you know, (laughs) I watched Joker this weekend as well. That is a film that I feel is wholly irresponsible. I think it is, it is ham fistedly handled by Todd Phillips and it does not ultimately make the point it should be making. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's a conversation for another day. Yeah, if, if that ever gets up to the docket. I, 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 think, I think this film isn't making some sort of grand social message. No, I, it's not. It's not. I think it's, it's, it's pointing out how fragile the psyche, the human psyche and the male psyche is. And that this isn't something that is strictly quarantined to present day. This is a common thread through history. Right. And now we, we have the ability to recognize and acknowledge these things. We, we can seek therapy. We can take medicinal treatments. There are a lot of different things we can do. Those weren't options back then. Right. And so it, it, I, I think, I think there's, there's a difference when you're talking about satire versus just no, there is. No, a, a no. black comedy. No, I agree. I agree. And that's, and, and that's, mm-hmm. Kind of with, with this piece, um, yeah, when, there are different animals. And my thought with the audience in general is, yeah, as I was thinking, like, is, regardless of where the message, does this click? How well does this click in, in the realm of greats, right? Um, does this click? And again, I'm, I'm not the uh, mainstream. I don't like to go the mainstream route or say I, this has to, anything, a great has to have mainstream appeal. I, I don't think that. Um, at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want that confused um, because I think in some ways a great maybe shouldn't have mainstream appeal <laughs> um, as well. I think the argument could be had for both. Um, it's just even me personally as I was watching it, it was it was weird in the fact of a movie that I thought was really good um, when I finished it. I just wasn't sure how well I liked it um, but I kept thinking about it which is a good thing as well but I, I ended it and I was just like like, did I not, I'm pretty smart and, you know, maybe 
pick up on a lot of things. But I, I was like, did I? I don't know. It's that, that I'm, I'm even pausing. That's kind of where I was at. Like, and I think even here in our conversation, we've we, we've talked a lot about things we really like about it. But even here, we're even kind of dancing around our our thoughts and our feelings because it seems to be a film that is kind of hard to really find your your place with the film as well. Um, it's kind of been my conclusion with it. I'm going to hold my thought. JB, do you have anything there? So that's my last piece. (laughs) The last piece. (laughs) Final parting thoughts on The Lighthouse. Um, You know, Willem Dafoe. It it made me look into Willem Dafoe's work even more after the Florida Project and watching the Lighthouse. Oh, the, guy, the guy's it's on like, fire lately. Let's no question. He is experiencing a renaissance, but uh, avant garde art is like his forte. Mm-hmm. Um, he he was doing theater in New York and stuff, which was really cool. It got me excited to to look into those actors and to look into Eggers and to to explore that world. Um, because I think it is, it's a movie that demands different things of the people in it and not just the people in front of the screen, but the people behind the screen. So like, that's really cool to see. Again, uh, like Jesse said, it was really enjoyable and artistic and, and um, entertaining. But I do think about, you know, how much did I like it? Or like, or would I watch it again? Um, stuff like that. I agree. The further, the further I got away from the lighthouse after watching it, the more I enjoyed it and liked it. Um, the further and further I got away from it, uh, I'm like, man, that film got better and better. <laughs> um, <laughs> just as I dwelled on it. Um, so I'm ready to vote. Let's see if it's in the greats. I'm ready to vote. I think we've danced around this a lot as, as, as Gabriel said. Um, JB looks like he might be ready to vote. Oh, I'm ready. All right. Let's go. Um, all right. Ready to reveal. Right. Oh, look. He's and the lighthouse is? Is I put. Great. I put, I put not great. Not great. Not great. I put on my great, um, I put <laughs> too soon, need to let it cook. Um, I, think, mm. I think this might be one at another day we, we come back and look at again. Um, more I think Eggers is going to end up in one of the greats. I think uh, over time, Eggers is going to produce multiple great films. He's a great in training. I mean, he has another mm-hmm. film that could always be up for discussion um, already. The Vitch. Then there's The North Man coming up. About Vikings. Yeah, but as, as for me, I was... Yeah. I was hoping coming in, I would sway to great. Um, mm-hmm. But I couldn't quite get there. Yeah, that's, it. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. You looked a little distraught. I was just wondering how you felt. Oh no, no, I'm fine. Um, I mean, I've I've had this conversation with other people. The reviews um, are kind of back and forth um, with this film as well. Um, it does pretty well on Rotten Tomatoes um, for like I think a ninety percent. But if you get into a lot of the reviews, it's either like oh, it's really it, it doesn't get like trash reviews, but it either gets a plus or it gets sort of like a B minus. Um, yeah, no, it's rate. it. I think it is a polarizing film. I think it's a challenging film to watch. Um, I felt challenged in trying to get through it the first time. Um, mm-hmm. 
And then with the second watching, I still found it challenging, yeah. but I, I focused more and more on the nuance and the, the attention to detail. And it, as, as difficult of a watch as it is and as challenging of a, of a watch as it is, I just, I appreciate the artistry put into that film and people are like, how can you, there's so many farts. How can you call it art? It's, it's still no. art. Listen, the farts, art. And ma- the, the farts and masturbation are some of my favorite parts in it. Um, for, not for the juvenile piece, but, uh, but I think it, it lends a piece to that film. Um, I, I think those are the, the little things that does push it closer to it, great. It lends to the, the, like um, the reality of, like how how what would you do? How would you act if you were isolated yeah. for four to six weeks? You know, you plan for four, but now you're there even longer, right? You don't have any means of like really accurately judging time, which is what we're living right now, right? It, yeah. But we're doing it. We're doing no, it's with, funny. With this access to to technology and, and vices, and you know, it it's just there's. No, and, and, yeah. and, and, it's, and it's funny that it didn't get a great for me um, as of this discussion, because one of my favorite films of all time is an Igmar Bergman film called Persona about two women um, in a little coast, coastal cottage um, place. One is mute and one talks. Um, it's an actress and they, it's a whole movie of one person talking to the other. Um, and it's about being confined. And cl- it's very similar films minus some of the, well, there's been some very erotic sexual stuff in it through just conversation. Um, as, as, but it Bergman even has, prone to it even has we- yes, yes, he, yes, he is. Um, and it has weird film moments where like the film comes off the reel for a moment halfway through the film and it, it, it melts the print on screen and then um, the movie resumes. Um, so, so there are those moments and Lighthouse remind me a lot of that film. And so I think maybe I need to also go back and check out Persona because um, that is in my like top five films of all time, probably. Um, so maybe that also, I was wa- looking a little mu- too much for Persona in the lighthouse or vice versa. But speaking of which, um, we still have a bet to do. Um, I was back and forth on how to do this week's bet, but given our discussion, maybe I made the right choice. Um, as, as people may know or may not know each week we bet at the end of the show it's a way to kind of give somebody the last word it's a way for somebody to bring a film back for another discussion and in this case it could be the lighthouse for um, since it got a not great um and also it kind of earns people points so eventually they can champion a film um and bring it to our discussion and say this is one of the greats and has to sway at least one of us over so today's bet um i was wanted to pull back how it all started one of our let's search let's control f and search some reviews for a keyword um we did it with the lighthouse i mean with the knives out episode we're gonna do it with lighthouse um but this one's gonna be a slight twist we're gonna do fart versus flatulence um because it is a piece that at least um in some of the promotion of the film I saw, like the talk shows and whatnot, the, the farting and the flatulence often came up uh, as a talking point. Um, so I was curious, not reading um, really any reviews of this, just kind of seeing scores. I pulled the top five, the top 
five top critic scores from Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and we're just going to search. We're going to search fart and we're going to search flatulence in each of the five reviews. Your job as, as the better is you're going to decide, um, are, are these writers highbrow or lowbrow, right? Are they going to choose the word fart? Oh. Are they going to choose the word flatulence? Um, you're going to pick the more prevalent word um, between the reviews and then you're going to say, give a number. So for example, if you think flatulence will be used more than fart, you'll say flatulence will be used two more times than fart will. So flatulence plus two um, or fart plus seven, meaning fart will be used seven more times than flatulence um, in five reviews. The, the pulling, from, pulling from the top five, I have the Sydney Morning Herald. Is that a, that's an Australian the London publication? It must be. Uh, Actually, just yes, they have a dot. They have a dot AU. Just Sydney reviews. Um, we ha- <laughs> we have London. It's fantastic. Uh, it says London indoors. Um, ES That's appropriate seems to be seems to be our website, um, but it's the standard.co.uk. Um, we have oh, looks more like a, a film blog called Little White Lies: Truth in Movies. Mm. And we have the Chicago Sun-Times. And the final one is uh, the Chicago Reader. Wow, Chicago twice. Chicago twice. I just clicked. I just opened some tabs. Chicago. All I can see are the, the titles. So, um, <laughs> fart versus flatulence for the bet. All you got to pick is your word that's used more and how many times more. So, we'll just across run through these all, five. Okay. all five. All five. All five, yeah. Because you never know. Some writer, they're not they're like, look, look, I'm not going to write about farts or flatulence. Oh, so, so it's one. It's, it's a one. It's all five. So we have to come up with I'm five do, different guesses. No, just, just single guess. No, just one guess. Across. Combined, like we did combined. with Knives Out. Okay. Yeah. All, there could be 20 farts mentioned <sighs> and 67 flatulence. God, so high stakes. It's always high stakes. <laughs> it's... All right, so um, I have mine. So you're just looking for fart or flatulence and then plus however many extra times you think that word will be used. Um, I have my vote ready. Um, we can kind of share our votes and then we'll right. just, I'll just pull the websites. Then we'll so start. We'll start. Are we, are we, JB, you want to go first? Are we writing these down? One. Are we writing these down? We always write it down for honesty so we can kind of... All right. You know, if anything, we're about it's integrity. It's in my noggin for sure. But if you just want to tell us... We'll so, trust you. Scout's honor. Scout's honor. Live long and prosper. If you're going first, we can we can trust you. Right. Because look, my, I have no pencil. My pencil's down. My hands are um, Okay. Uh, <laughs> this looks like, <laughs> looks like you're making it up on the five. spot. <laughs> flatulence plus five. Ooh, flatulence. I'm going to write that down for you. Flatulence plus five. Perfect. All right. I just wrote down. I already have my thing, but I just wrote down flatulence five. Um, my, my guess, I'll say mine. Mine was fart plus three. We got flatulence plus six. Let me see it. Oh. Ooh, uh, all right. So all I need is a fart. All, and we, again, we always say who's ever closer. So Gabriel gets it's an I over mean, yeah, under right. at that point. All I need, all really, need is all, a fart. All bigger. I need to win is fart. Well, I want to say, like, you just I need won. a foreign victory, but I'm, I'm thinking of these international press releases. I, I feel like. Okay. If you guys want to keep, I'm going to keep little tallies. I'll just do this quick. Um, 
for this. Um, the Sydney Morning Herald, I just searched fart, and we have two on, on two for fart in that one. I'm now going to do a control F for Damn flatulence. It, Oof. Guys, no flatulence. Damn it, Sydney. In the, in the Sydney Morning Herald. All right. Moving on to the London indoors. We'll do we'll do flatulence first away. this time. <laughs> Literally. Guys, guys, it's looking bad. <laughs> Literally. No, no, they didn't like to use the word flatulence in that one. But no farts either. Oh. No farts or flatulence in our I second review. Word they used. They just didn't talk about it. They didn't talk about it. Yeah. Did did we search right, for flatulence so for the, as well? Ooh, I could say flat. Let me. How about I do this? How about I do? That's, that's a good thing. How about here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna do the word flat. So all variations of the there word flatulent. Correct. We agree on something. Right. I think I think because because they they could say that the the performances were flat. But if okay, good call. Because I just went to London indoors. I went back. I'm searching just the word flat. We have the word. Um, they're quoting, they're quoting, oh, this flatulent drunkard says, um, in quoting a line. So flatulence has one there for the, Gabriel, the well done. I'm going to well go done. back. We're back in the game. Good, good catch. Good catch. I'm going to go back to the Sydney oh, morning. Come on, Herald. Sid. No flat, no flat mentioned at all. But after three, after three publications, we're at fart with two. Some variation one. of the word flatulence at one. Um, it's all in Chicago. <laughs> Chicago beans. loves art. The beans. The windy city. <laughs> You're the spilling windy your city, beans, boy. <laughs> spilling your beans. We, we, didn't, we didn't even talk about the... Um, we didn't even talk about the me lobster oh. line, right? <laughs> Tell me. Which, again, another point of that film, which I really like, this sort of... This sort of Man, wife, mom, daughter, mom, son, right? Right? Because Defoe is like yes. knitting at some point, just sitting there knitting at night. He's he's he gets so irate that 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 he doesn't he like his taught cooking. Himself to um, knit for this role. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Listen, guys, this is a nail biter. There is no farting in the um, Chicago Sun Times. Yikes! But the line. Um, and filling the air with flatulence. So we are tied two to two. We've got two more publications. I, I, no, this is the last one. Wait, we're at I, the end. I, I thought we were doing five. Sydney and London. So I got mm-hmm. Sydney, London, London two indoors. Chicago's. Oh, I'm sorry. White Little Lies still had none for either. No farts. No uh, farts. Um, white Little Lies. Why, why are we searching the blog? It's the top five okay. top critics, guys. You know what? From what I can tell, Uh-oh. maybe they get a lot of readers. Who knows? So it, now it comes down to the Chicago reader. Speaking of readers. Fart or flatulence. Um, no witty headline, just the lighthouse. Oh. Um, I'm going to type in fart. Mud. Oh, wow. No farts. No flatulence. We're tied at two. So what we're going to do, I assume, we'll just go to the next one on the list. I'm okay with that. It will be 
real views. That's R E L real, real views. Thanks for clarifying. Yep. They gave the film a 3.5 out of four. Out of four. And let's see of real views. We got to go to the tiebreaker film. Real views has one fart. Ah, it's all over. No flatulence, guys. Oh, all right. I'll take, I'll take the win. Far, I, <laughs> I, I squeezed by a fart. Oh, one by a fart. <laughs> I'll squeeze I, one out. Guys, I squeezed that one out. Yeah, that's what I was going <laughs> yeah, for. Too. That was, yeah. You. Oh. Um, <laughs> wow. Wow. That was fun. That, I was going to say, I am tickled when these bets work out um, like they do. I think most of them have come out closer and better than. Um, <laughs> I think about it. I always doubt myself. Um, I was happy. I wasn't going to bring us too far into the fart and flatulence part of this conversation, hoping that it would just come out naturally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we turned turn into a terrible podcast. Not that we were great before, but. <laughs> but we've come the out even worse. gas puns are. <laughs> Um, I knew it was some, uh, to use JB's turn of phrase, some low-hanging fruit um, for that bet. But I figured, I figured our um, thirteen off the tree. They're hanging there. You know, I, you know, I'm not surprised. Not surprised. Yeah. All right. So that's that. Kind of concludes our discussion on the lighthouse this week. Um, as we end our bets, I guess I get the last word. Um, that's my. But before you say anything, I just want to also shout out to our, uh, you know, middle schoolers who are listening. Oh, they're, they're loving it. We're going to talk about this all in the virtual chat rooms. We forgot (laughs) to talk about our sponsor, What the Golf. What the Golf by Nintendo. What the Golf, Nintendo Nintendo Switch. What the (laughs) Golf. Um, To my understanding, according to uh, my Facebook ads, it's number 10 on the eShop store, so keep Um, downloading it. Well, I I mean, I did get get my promo download that I I, I got a 25% discount on. Yeah. But it, and it, because yeah. they because they they sponsor the show. I know. Um, um, use the if you use the, the our coupon code, you'll get the discount too. Just put that in the promo code part. And uh, and I will say, it may be the most fun I've had playing golf. Hey, they're ever. greatest movies of all time, <laughs> podcast listeners. Um, I need to interject here real quickly. This is Jesse, and uh, what you're about to hear is the audio at the very tail end of this episode. Sped up, started getting garbled, and you can't understand a word we say. So um, for those of you playing along at home with the greatest movies podcast home game, I wanted to make sure I updated with some of the important information that ended um, in this episode. So you'll be able to update your scorecards at home. Um, I did win the bet. That would be my second win of the show so far. I'm um, two away from championing a film. So part of that win gave me the responsibility of having the last word within the episode. And unfortunately, I'm not going to retrace those steps and retread that ground. What was said was said. Um, The last word is safer in the moment. Um, So unfortunately for listeners, the things I said and shared will have to remain between myself and the rest of the council for that particular episode. The other responsibility I was given because I won the bet was the ability to save a film we discussed within that episode if it did not get voted as one of the greats. And in this case, The Lighthouse did not get voted as one of the greats. Um, Even though I was one of the individuals who voted against The Lighthouse, I did feel, as part of my discussion within the episode, that it needed a little more time. I needed a little more time with this film to sit with it, to potentially watch it again, 
and to give myself a little more time of reflection. And maybe then um, I could see it as a great. So I am going to save it for a future discussion. That means the lighthouse is being placed in that special realm of movies that will get a second chance, a second day in court where we will decide its fate again, um, have a revote amongst other films that get placed in that category as well as the show goes on. But in the meantime, we thank you for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. We're finding our feet with this podcast. We're having a lot of fun. We're going to keep it going. We have a lot of movies to evaluate to find the greatest movies of all time. And we will stick with it as long as you stick with us. You can always email us at greatestmoviespodcast at gmail.com. We are also on letterbox.com slash greatestmovies. And we can be found on social media such as Twitter and Instagram. Please hit us up. Give us your thoughts. Give us your suggestions. And um, in the meantime, keep watching movies. And we'll talk again soon. Bye.